Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When someone or something that you care deeply about leaves, it's hard to just sort of get over it. I learned this my first year here in St. Louis when I'd be out and about and wearing an angel's hat or an angel's shirt and someone I didn't even know would stop me at Schnucks and say, hey, you stole pool holes. <laughs> and just a few months ago, there was no shortage of resentment still in the air when those images of Stan Kroenke holding the Lombardi trophy flashed across your TV screens. No, it's not so easy sometimes to just move on and get over it. Our text for today is the gospel lesson read previously. The text, the parable that's commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. A parable that, that takes place, though, in a, a specific context. See, people had gathered around Jesus, tax collectors and sinners, but so too Pharisees and scribes. But these Pharisees and scribes, they, they grumbled, they complained, they were upset. This man, he receives sinners and eats with them. And so he tells them three parables, and our text is the third of those three parables. A parable that begins with, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. You can imagine what that must have been like for that older brother. In fact, Jesus wants us to put ourselves in the shoes of that older brother, to imagine what it would have been like to have a younger brother act so selfishly and painfully. Imagine what it must have been like to watch that younger brother leave. It was one thing, it was humiliating enough that he would ask for his inheritance and his father divided up privately. But for him to leave, well, it meant that this shame and embarrassment had to be brought to the public. After all, you can't take livestock and orchards and property with you to a faraway country. You have to imagine what it would have been like to see that younger brother leave, to see the father standing next to you there with tears in his eyes as you watch the things that you've worked so hard for, he's worked so hard for, to build, just walk away. Knowing that your brother took what meant so much to your father and just sold it. Took the property and the livestock and traded it in for the coins and currency of the day, denarii and, and talents, and then takes his denarii and talents to some South Beach sort of town that he had never been to before and had no history in. Likely having to sell everything for pennies on the dollar in order to, to speed up the sale, to get it done in not many days. I'm sure we we're supposed to imagine that older brother being not only in shock, but he himself also being in agony, being in pain, having that anger almost seethe through his skin day after day as he is reminded of this humiliation, this heartbreak, this embarrassment upon him and his family, this thing that has set his family back so greatly. And if there's one thing this older brother is supposed to know, well, it's my younger brother will not show his face here again. 
My younger brother not only has no right to be in our town, he is no longer worthy to be in our family. And then the parable fast forwards perhaps a few months, maybe even a few years, and we get the younger brother's perspective. And this greener pasture he had left for, well, the denarii had run out, the talents had been spent, and famine hits the land. And he finds himself in great need, having to feed pigs, literally live in a, in a pigsty just to survive. And after such a great deal of time of wasteful action, licentious living, he finally comes to his senses. He looks around and sees the, the cobs that the pigs are eating and, and longs for them. He looks at his robe and sees the filth and manure that covers it. And he finally thinks, what am I doing? What am I doing? My father's hired servants, will they have it better than me? Perhaps I could go back and say, Father, I know I'm no longer your son, but just let me be like a hired servant so that I might have bread to eat. The younger son realizes he also is no longer worthy to be his father's son, that he has betrayed his family. He has hurt them in every way imaginable. And one thing that we don't always think about when we think of this well-known parable is that both brothers come to the same conclusion. Both brothers have the same thought about that younger brother. The younger brother knows what he's done, and the older brother certainly has not forgotten it. He has allowed the gifts of the father, the gifts he had no right to have yet anyways, allowed them to be devoured, stolen essentially, by parties and prostitutes, connecting himself to those sort of things rather than the family he was part of. This younger brother has no right to be his father's son. And for that matter, the tax collectors and sinners hearing this parable have no right to be received by Jesus. They have no right. They are not worthy to eat with him. In that way, the Pharisees and the scribes are actually incredibly correct. And yet they are received. And yet they eat with them. See, the point of this parable is not Jesus trying to say, tax collectors and sinners are good enough to be a part of my family. That tax collectors and sinners have enough merit in order to be a part of God's family. Rather, the point that he is making to the Pharisees and the scribes that would grumble is that I receive whom I receive. My children, my family, are those I love. And your younger brother, your tax-collecting brother, your sinful brother, your Gentile brother, I love him. And so too should you. And in that, the Pharisees and the scribes, the older brother, has a tremendous opportunity. An opportunity to truly experience the joy that comes when one is reconciled and brought back to God. It's the sort of joy that, that Paul describes in our wonderful epistle text from 2 Corinthians, that we are to no longer regard the old, but that in Christ, a new creation is here. We are to regard our brothers on the basis of him, 
and what he says. The one who would give to them a new robe, a ring to to signify, to seal their place in his family. A seal and a robe of righteousness that nothing in their past can remove them from. It is true, a public, open betrayal is a sight to behold. It's a sort of a train wreck you really can't look away from. And yet, we also realize that when we're pressed on it, we too, like the younger brother, have little trouble publicly, openly, hurtfully, inflicting pain against the God that loves us so deeply, who loves us so deeply even in our sin. We gleefully put him down and prop up the the things of the flesh and the things of the world. We with joy lift ourselves up while trampling down on others. We live in a world where there's no shortage of families, careers, or homes that have been destroyed by the dirt and the filth that we have no trouble conjuring up in our sinful hearts. Yes, a public betrayal is a sight to behold. But Jesus' point here is so too is the reconciliation. So too is that repentant heart. Is that a sight to be beholden to, a sight to celebrate, a moment to cherish? See, the tax collectors and the sinners, yeah, they messed up. The younger brother in the parable, he definitely messes up. You and I, no strangers to messing up. And yet it is our loving Savior that takes the great initiative to seek us, to run out and to greet us, to entreat us. And you realize that in this parable, as this younger son comes to his father, and the father embraces him, the very filth and manure that he had on him from the pigsty, the father takes on himself. That he became sin who knew no sin, also that we might know and be the righteousness of God. He comes to us despite our sin, taking on that sin, all to bring us out of death and into life, just as the Father says to his servants. Out of a far-off country where we are not known by our family and into his family his kingdom, his everlasting covenant. And yet, despite how often we may act like that younger brother, we also quite often like to act like that older brother too, and in one way or another think that we possess some sort of merit that makes us worthy of such a wonderful gift. We have no problems forgetting all the things that we've done, and we struggle welcome back those who have wronged us, hurt us, even betrayed us. And at times we can even forget just how great it was, what a task it was for Jesus to take our sin upon himself and go to the cross. See, this parable confronts us by kind of asking you, just how comfortable are you with the full measure of God's grace? Just how comfortable are you that God welcomes all into his family, all who would trust and believe and repent and cling to not only their loving Heavenly Father, but their loving Savior. It's easy for us to 
dress ourselves up in our Sunday best, sit here for 90 minutes, and pretend like we have it all together, that we've got some sort of merit in the moment. We can do that little nice show for about 90 minutes or so to think that we perhaps deserve a spot in this family when the reality is quite different. Not only are we no longer worthy of a spot in God's family, we've never been worthy of it. And yet we are. And yet he calls us his child. Yet he welcomes us back with loving, celebrating arms. And he says, you're my son and my daughter. Look across the aisle and see your brothers and your sisters. See, Jesus knows what it's like to be wronged. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by miserably selfish people. Jesus knows what it's like to even suffer for the very sake of a sinner. But the greatest part of all is that Jesus knows what it's like to celebrate when that lost child comes home. Not only celebrate, but he runs out to greet us. Jesus knows what it's like to rejoice in the reality that though we are sinful in him, we are declared righteous. He is the one who became that sin of ours, who bore that sin of ours, who would go to the cross with the sin of ours, all so that we might know where our true family lies. That's what he came to do. That's the point of the parable, is that I am here to welcome all who would come to me. And I'm here to throw a feast for them. A feast that is not just a temporary feast, but an unending feast. The feast of the Lamb and his kingdom that has no end. And in that feast, in that joy, in that celebration, we have something that every single day we can celebrate. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.